This is episode 529 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Hand Tools versus Power Tools, Which Are Best for Preppers? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, earlier this week I released episode 526, and that episode was titled The Economic Spiral Downward, The Family Dilemma. And the idea is that and really it wasn't from an article it was just from my personal experiences that I had been uh, experiencing the last couple of weeks here at my home and I shared a little bit of how I imagined as our economic spiral downward continues to happen or people find themselves in financial hardships that it would be more than likely people would be moving in together and you would have one home that would have multiple families living in there or at least generational uh, you know, family members there where you might have uh, you know, parents and kids and grandparents and all that kind of stuff. I, I've already seen it and uh, I've experienced it just a little bit here uh, lately in the last couple of weeks in helping out another family member. And I, I know that others have dealt with it, right? And others are in similar situations. And so I've received feedback from different people. You know, I asked if you had gone through anything like that or anything similar. Share some of your experiences. And, you know, people have left things on or comments on episode 526. And all you have to do, if you ever get the show notes, right, all you do is click on the link to 526 or whatever link, you whatever episode you're listening to, and it will take you to the website and there on the website, you will scroll down. It's the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com website. You scroll down, and then you can leave a comment there. But some people were sending me emails. And so this one here, uh, I received an email just today from Courtney. And it was actually a, a long email, right? And she just shared a lot of her experience. And I wanted to share it with you. Um, she's here in the, around the Houston area in one of the suburbs and dealt with Harvey, right? And because of that, she had some hardships or at least some things that she had to deal with, right? And so I wanted to share this with you because this brings a whole nother aspect of this whole idea, you know, living with other people that we really didn't even touch on, right? Or at least uh, we really didn't uh, delve too much into. So I'm gonna go ahead and read this email because I think it's very interesting. So regarding feedback for episode 526, I experienced living with family, but mine was because we were displaced for six months because of Harvey. Our house got five to six feet of water. My husband is an HPD lieutenant, that's a Houston Police Department lieutenant, and if our evacuation had been a few hours later, he would have already left for his shift. Now we grabbed what we could and were boat rescued the next day from the second floor of our neighbor's house. So there we were, me and my husband, three little boys at the time, twin seven-year-olds and a four-year-old, two five-month-old puppies, and an 18-year-old cat, and a few trash bags of clothes, a cat carrier, and dog food, oh, and homeless, and pretty much helpless 
along with thousands of other people. We originally stayed with our best friends who lived a few miles away for the first week while we went to the flooded house each day to pull sheetrock and carpet and itemize for insurance in between bouts of tears. Many friends took things to try to kindly salvage for us. After a week at our friend's house, it quickly became apparent we were a burden and tensions rose exponentially. They were cleaning after us constantly and dictating how we should be training our puppies and handling the kids. I did feel bad as our kids took their kids' rooms and their little boy slept on a pallet on their bedroom floor. After it was apparent this wouldn't work, my mother, about 10 minutes away, took us into her 1962 home. It was my childhood home and had four bedrooms and two baths. The back patio was made into an extra living room and was separated off by a door. My younger brother, already in his 30s, lived with my mom already. So there we were with two adult males, two adult females, three children, two dogs, and two cats. My mom had a cat with only pet syndrome. Only pet syndrome. Okay, so that's the only, uh, the only pet in the house. This meant the dogs who would have eaten the cat had to stay in the backyard or in the covered patio room the entire six months. Our poor 18-year-old cat had to stay in one room, our room, for the whole time as well, while, of course, my mom's spoiled cat got free reign of the house. There was constant stress that one of the boys would leave the back room door open and we would find a kitty sacrifice in the house, in which my mom would have gone clinically insane. I remember all the dogs barking in neighboring houses, mostly people that were housing other flooded refugees. My mom was a recovering hoarder at the time, a serious hoarder, so we had to clean her house out for three days before we could bring anything in. So at a time we were stressed to the max, we were going through her things in a frantic pace. She would yell at us pulling stuff off the curb and luckily my little sister came from Austin for a few days to help us call it out. Several times she had to say to my mom, are you serious? Does this broken rocking chair you want to fix one day mean more than being able to rescue your children and grandchildren? I thank God for her because I don't know how I would have gotten all that done. My husband and I shared a room with our cat. Our youngest boy was traumatized, so he would squeeze into the full-size bed with us. Our cat had dementia, so she would meow all night and use the litter and eat and drink during the night, which would wake up my husband, which would wake up me. The twins slept in a side room on a twin bed and a cot. Of course, my brother kept his room with his full-size bed, and my mom kept her room with her queen-size bed. We were miserable sardines who were expected to function as normal my husband as a law enforcement officer, and me at my government-contracted job. I don't know how to explain when you are responsible, when you prepare, when you buy insurance, when you have extra room to hold other people and put in the extra effort to keep your relationships healthy, and then with one disaster, everything is pulled from you, and you are at everyone's mercy and completely powerless. How does that happen? And the thing is, as grateful as we were, I felt no one really put themselves in our shoes. No one asked what we wanted or needed or really wanted to give up more than was expected. Surely they took us in and for that I will forever be grateful. But we faced six months of accommodating the lives of the people we were so inconveniently displacing, all while still trying to make it through each day. 
and I knew it was inconvenient for them, which made me being upset with them that much harder. We were all miserable. Things went from bad to worse when my husband called me at work in early December 2017. He had just picked up the boys from school and gotten back to my mom's, and one of the puppies, a litter mate of the other, was cold with rigor mortis and was lying in the flower bed. Her collar was cinched tight and she had asphyxiated. One of our now eight-year-olds found her and before I could get home, all three boys were mourning with their first brush with death and it happened to be one of their best friends. We never found out what happened. I'm rambling here, but this was the hardest part, the stress from everything and the sleep deprivation from the now apparent depression was so bad that I began going unconscious for many minutes with no warning would have resulting seizures and short-term memory loss. The first one was four months into our stay at my mom's house where I was making eggs before work one minute and the next I was being loaded on a gurney into the ambulance. This was a few weeks after the puppy's death. At this point, we decided to sell to an investor and start clean. Two months later, by the grace of God, one of my customers offered up her beautiful house to us, off-market, it was a mile away from our old home, but on a street that did not flood. We closed in February 2018 with a little in storage, mostly donations, and a lot of shopping to do. We had to buy five sets of mattresses in one day. Recovering from something like this does not end when you get back on your own. A week after moving in, my husband was cleaning the pool and slipped and literally broke his face on the side of the pool. He required plastic surgery to pop his cheekbone out and had fractures all around his eye socket. A few weeks later, I went unconscious again and was out at least 30 minutes. After short-term memory loss that soon came back, I was able to call my mom to drive me to the hospital and again, the doctors could not explain what happened. Mind you, my youngest son found me both times and was able to get help, my little hero. From February 2018 to December 2018, we were still healing. Friends continually showed up at our door with things they had tried to salvage. We had family heirlooms that were flooded but thrown in the new garage with the intent of restoring. The garage took on the odorous smell of Harvey floodwaters. If you went through it, you know what I mean. So literally, our days were still filled with Harvey even though we wanted to move on. I still had a stack of written thank you notes to send. The kids would say daily, remember when we did X, Y, and Z in our old house? What made things worse were that our old neighbors were like family and we would meet in our garage bar that was built by them and all of our kids, 13 in total, would come and we'd have huge cookouts. Now, no one even waves where we live and for some reason, our next door neighbors avoid us like the plague. There is before Harvey and after Harvey. That's why I wasn't surprised when I passed out again in December 2018 with no warning. This time, I didn't go to the hospital. I decided I needed to accept my new life and move forward. I started getting rid of anything we tried to save from the flood. I threw away the thank you notes and forgave myself for anyone that felt I had not already thanked enough. At this point, I have not had any more episodes. Our kids are moving forward healthfully and I can happily say no friendships or family relationships are damaged. I felt this was very important to share because with the little things that can add up to big things, you can go from completely independent with the choices to being completely at the mercy of others. 
You can feel your family unit is fighting with external forces and you fight them all day long just to get up and do it again the next day with no end in sight. Only stress has bound your wrists and covered your eyes as loss of health sets in. All I can do moving forward is remember the experience and prepare. All right, Courtney, thanks so much for your email and sharing your experience with all of us. That stress can is just amazing. And I know people that went through Harvey and they were able to stay, you know, they stayed with friends and stuff like that. But, you know, one of the things they had all these volunteers, we had all these volunteers going around everywhere and they would just kind of show up and they would start mucking out houses. And so if you're not familiar with that, that's where they start ripping out the you know, kind of like what Courtney said here. They're ripping out sheetrock, you know, to the point uh, above where the water line was. They're ripping out carpet and floorboards and all that kind of stuff because you need to get the wet stuff out so that it'll dry so it won't uh, you know, mildew and stuff like that. There were homes, you know, my my boss had a neighbor that lived across the street that basically when the waters receded, they closed up their doors and left and their house was paid for. So insurance was going to cover everything, but they just chose not to not to even deal with it. And actually, the county hazmat team had to come out because after months of it being closed up with not being mucked out, the mildew was crazy and there's just mold spores everywhere and uh, in the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff and inside the house. And, uh, you know, one doctor said uh, somebody that I know recently went to the to the doctor for allergies and stuff like that. And uh, one of the doctors said that we still have a lot of mold just kind of blowing around, you know, on top of the pollen and the stuff that we deal with because of Harvey. And that's not just here in Houston. That's all, you know, up and down the Gulf Coast that, uh, you know, people that are dealing with. But this email, really this experience on top of Harvey and all the junk that you have to deal with there and the loss of all your things and, and all of that, right? You still had, and you know, they at least had insurance. There was people that went through this that didn't have insurance. I mean, they really lost everything, right? But on top of all of that, you've got this stress, right? And that stress will and can lead to health problems like the blacking out and, and you know, seizures and the different things that, that Courtney said. So all these things can start to you know, to add up. And so that's one reason why when I was mentioning that, you know, when families, you know, because of necessity or because you want to open up your home, because you want to be a loving parent or, you know, family member, whatever, there still needs to be procedures and things in place to make things run as smoothly as possible. And even with that, it's still not going to be as smooth, uh, you know, as, as, as you would like it to be. It'll, it'll never be that smooth. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I would have said, and, and we we don't, so like when people have stayed with us, we're not real, we, we don't have a very big yard. So people, I mean, almost everybody we know has dogs, multiple dogs. So even when my nephew stayed with us the last couple of weeks, it was like, you, you are welcome to come. The kids are welcome to come, all of that, but you can't bring the dogs. So we just don't have room for that, you know? And so uh, luckily my, my mother-in-law was able to do that and take care of the dogs but you know that's always one of those things that you that you take in into consideration you know you're bringing a lot of animals to somebody else's home and yeah they might be tied to the kids or whatever but some of the there's there's going to be you're already sacrificing a lot but there might be even other sacrifices that you have to make because of pets and things like that so a lot of things to consider as we 
continue pushing forward in our world and in our economy. There are so many crazy things that are going on. I just I look at the news, I look at alternative media. I'm, I'm you know I'm looking at Twitter and I see all the things going on and I'm like, you know, I could possibly talk about that on the podcast and just make a complete episode out of that one little thing. And then I see something else. I'm like, I should bring that up and I should bring that up. And I get to the point like, man, I could bring up five, six different things every single episode and it would be crazy. And sometimes there's just so many things going on. So if the world doesn't end because of some really crazy big thing, we're still going to go through this economic downturn. We're still going to experience it, right? And so I think we need to not only prepare our minds for it, but we need to prepare our finances for that as well. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about about Courtney here, because some people might say, well, why don't you just go rent a house or move into a hotel or something like that? Guys, there were so many people displaced that homes were like, there was no rental homes. There was no, you know, apartments, all that kind of stuff. You couldn't find anything like that, right? There was just, there was nothing available. So I just wanted to make that clear because I know a lot of people that were looking for things and they, there was just, there was just nothing because everything was flooded out. And the people that flooded out that moved very quickly to rent homes, I mean, they were, you know, they, they were lucky, lucky enough, but a lot of people weren't. And so there's just a lot of homes. Guys, there's still homes in the Houston area. And actually, probably about 10 minutes from me, not even 10 minutes, maybe five minutes from me, that I can drive down and I can still see construction. You know, people are, are maybe they're DIYing it or whatever. They didn't have insurance to cover whatever the, you know, the, their losses. And so they're, you know, they're doing their own homes or whatever. But the the outside of their home still has junk. You know, it's like still has boards and things and and as they're as they're dealing with it right so that's crazy but anyway going back to the whole financial aspect of it i kind of have been on a kick a little bit uh, with this because i think this is one of those things if nothing happens if we don't if the hammer doesn't fall the balloon doesn't go up we don't get the real big one whatever we're still going to encounter this economic downturn it's still headed that way and we're going to experience that. So we need to get our financial house in order. And that's something that we can always do. We can always benefit from. One last thing I want to bring up before I jump into the article. And I feel like, man, I'm looking at the time. And I'm already 20 minutes in. haven't even started the article. Um, but hopefully you, you see the value of something like that. If you've never gone through anything like this, it's really hard to like put yourself in that. But try to imagine yourself, right? Try to imagine yourself in Courtney's place or even in the kids' place where, you know, their home, everything they've ever known is just kind of completely gone. And it's just, you know, you, you had to get rid of everything and uh, just how tragic that could be. But going back to this financial thing, right? And so I've been on this kick lately. I believe that finances, I think, is important. From time to time, I get to partner with people and share out things like through email. And one of the things that I'm going to be sharing out uh, here real soon is a free ebook on uh, 140 tips to save money. And I'm partnering with Ultimate Bundles. They're getting ready for a promotion on how to budget and your for your finances and saving money and all this kind of stuff. But you don't even even if you don't do anything with that 
with uh, the ultimate bundle or whatever you can still download this ebook i took a look at it and uh, went through it i thought it was really good really worth having and so i'm going to be linking to that in my email and so you can download that it's only going to be active for a couple of days right so they're doing this because of the uh, of of the promotion right but uh, you'll only get it for a couple of days so you got to move pretty quickly if you are not part of my email list you can come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and sign up there or even in the show notes there is a link that will allow you to go and sign up and you'll get it uh, every saturday i send out the saturday prep and then uh, you know you get that you'll get that promotion out. I probably will send that promotion out again because, like I said, it's only a couple of days in the Saturday prep. So if you're not on the email list by the time you listen to this podcast, you're probably not going to get the email list. You're probably not going to jump jump on fast enough to be able to get that email. But know that in the Saturday prep, you'll be able to get that. And so it'll be coming out. So just uh, if you are on the list, just a heads up on that. You want to download that ebook. I think there was a lot of great advice in there. And, uh, you know, it dealt with just like number one tips. Different financial bloggers were giving and frugality bloggers were giving their number one tip for saving money. Uh, there was tips on uh, how to raise kids and, and, you know, save money while you're doing that on household tips for items and, you know, how to go on a date night cheap. And, and uh, man, there was just a lot of other things, right? Uh, miscellaneous things as well. So hopefully you will uh, download that free ebook through email. All right. So, man, it just went so long and probably I could just end the, the podcast episode there. But I did want to share this article here from mdcreekmore.com. It's hand tools versus power tools, which are best for preppers. And when we talk about finances and we talk about investing and and things like that, I think one of the things that a lot of people say, especially in the preparedness community, is you want to have tangible goods, right? And tools are one of those things that would be very valuable. I mean, they're valuable now, but they're easy to find now. And you can get good uh, good tools for cheap if you look around. But in, a, in an SHTF scenario, they're going to be very, very valuable. So let's go ahead and jump into this article from mdcreekmore.com. Hand tools versus power tools, which are best for preppers. I have read so many excellent and relevant articles on this site about prepping and survival that I am a little sheepish about submitting my own for your consideration. I just would like to contribute some knowledge that might enhance someone's life or help them develop a skill that they can barter or make life easier in the event of a collapse. So here goes. Having spent time, eight years, teaching woodworking, and then there is a link here, guys, if you want 16,000 woodworking plans, you can click on that. So teaching woodworking, drafting, metalwork, and leatherwork, I thought that I might have some advice on what tools one might gather in the event of the SHTF. Perhaps the first question might be electric versus hand-powered tools. The obvious answer is both, as there is likely to be a few services available, and what are will be available to charge whatever the market will bear. Now, being able to fix and construct projects makes you more valuable as a barterer or to a community of preppers. In the event of a collapse, electricity will very likely be a luxury that many might not have, so one may think that it would be much better to go heavy on the hand-powered tool side. Granted, there are some obstacles to overcome with power tools. Even if you have a solar 
battery system, you will need some sort of conversion to AC current to allow the use of the corded tools. A better solution might be the battery powered tools that are very common these days. These can be recharged at your home and taken out to the field or outbuilding for use. Now buy commercial grade if at all possible. Some of the warehouse tools may be cheaper but the life of the batteries will fade over time and with repeated charges. I recommend Milwaukee brand but that is just my preference. I have a corded Milwaukee drill that I've used for over 25 years and it has performed flawlessly. I've used it for everything from mixing paint to drilling concrete. The cordless variety comes in kits that contain multiple tools and batteries so one is always charged up. Another advantage is weight. If you have ever wrestled with 50 feet of extension cord while on a 12 foot ladder with the drill over your head, you'll know what I mean. Be sure to think about accessories for the tools. These can collect over time. At any rate, regardless whether you have corded or cordless, be sure you know how to properly use them. Dealing with a nasty circular saw cut with no medical services could be life-threatening. Any power tool can make short work of fingers or hands. Steel versus flesh, guess who wins? Here's a list of the power tools I would recommend, and I'm sure others will complete the list. So commercial grade 18 volt lithium ion battery multi-pack. These come in several configurations, but should at least have a drill and impactor standard. Now don't forget drill bits and screw driving bits. Check garage cells. A Sawzall. This is a tool that has a reciprocating blade from four inches to eight. It's excellent for cutting pipe, pruning trees, drywall, demolition, and metal if it's not too thick. Blades for this tool are disposable and depending on what you're cutting will determine their life. Remember, a dull blade is a dangerous blade. Number three, a circular saw. Standard, sizes, or standard size is seven and one fourth inch, but some come with smaller blades. These are used primarily for construction, framing, and cutting plywood. Remember, blades, blades, blades. Other tools that may come in these kits are radios, spotlights, and angle grinders. Number five, a small contractor's table saw. You can spend as much as you want on these. Sears makes them as there are some extremely expensive Swiss-made saws that will exceed the capabilities of much larger saws. This tool is used for making straight cuts from dimension lumber like 2x4s and etc. and plywood. They are almost mandatory for cabinet work, although some of the finest furniture ever made was done with hand tools. Number six is an angle grinder. An angle grinder is used to smooth metal of any thickness or cutting large pipe. With a wire brush bit, you can prepare rusted metal for painting or smooth metal cut with a cutting torch. I even recently used one to cut off the barrel of a 22 rifle to make it a more quote unquote convenient size weapon. Remember, blades, blades, blades. Number seven, a palm sander or belt sander. Used to smooth wood and metal. Remember, paper, paper, paper. Sandpaper comes in 8 inch by 12 inch sheets. Cut to fit on the palm sander. In belts for the belt sander, like think like a small treadmill, they come in varying grits. The larger the number, the finer the grit. 40 grit paper looks like it has sharp pebbles glued to the paper. 600 grit is almost smooth to the touch. To get wood smooth, you start with the low grit paper and work up successfully to the larger numbered grits. Belt sanders can also be clamped down and used to sharpen a variety of hand tools. Good use for the angle grinder as well. As I mentioned before, 
the really great furniture was made with hand tools. Now, hand tools are, in my humble opinion, absolutely mandatory in an SHTF scenario. Personally, I almost always choose power tools over hand tools if power is available, but in skilled hands, man-power tools are every bit as effective as power tools. Two things need to be remembered about hand tools. One, they need to be sharp. A dull tool is a dangerous tool. And two, they are tiring. The first makes the second even truer. If you have ever tried to cut through a 12-inch diameter tree trunk with a bow saw, you'll know what I mean. Even cutting a 1x12 with a handsaw is a workout. A properly sharpened plane saw or chisel will be much easier and produce a better product with less effort when used properly. So using hand tools takes skill, and as with any survival technique, skill requires practice. The more you use them, the easier they become. Start with small projects and work up to bigger ones. Make a wall shelf, basically three boards, and concentrate on getting the edges square, 90 degrees, and the board smooth. Don't be discouraged by your first efforts. No one makes Queen Anne furniture on the first try. These are some hand tools that I recommend, but is by no means complete. Number one, a screwdriver set, both flat and Phillips head. You can add the star, square, and other types of drivers as you go. Try to collect as many different sizes as possible. Number two, socket set. Get a set that has metric as well as standard size sockets. I use S and K, but I also have many Sears Craftsman sockets as well. The good thing about them is they will replace any broken items, no questions asked, as long as there's still a store. And that's that's going to be the key there. I know that Craftsman was bought out. You, still, you can still buy them at Sears, but they were bought out. And uh, so I don't know if they still have that policy that they will replace anything that's broken. And I've heard some people like they would go to a garage sale and if they found a broken craftsman tool and they would, you know, maybe it was like a dollar or something like that. And then they take it to Sears and they'd buy the brand new one. They'd exchange it for the brand new one because the person selling it at the garage sale didn't realize that Sears would do that. So uh, the other key is, you know, as long as there's still a store, Sears is in bankruptcy right now. So who knows if they're going to remain? I don't know if Craftsman has, you know, individual stores or, or whatever. So I don't know if that's going to continue on. I guess if someone knows that, uh, feel free to drop me a comment in episode 529. All right. So number three is hand saws. Get a cross cut for cutting across the grain and a rip saw for cutting with the grain or length of the board. Remember, you are powering the saw. Using the wrong saw for the job just makes it that much harder. Number four, a bow saw. Think of a very coarse blade where the string on a bow is. These are excellent for cutting firewood or demolition. Number five, a hand drill with an adjustable chuck. Yep, for making holes. Number six, several crescent wrenches. Get as many different sizes as possible. They fit every size knot and bolt. The older, the better. The steel and fit of the moving parts are so much better than today's tools. Number seven, a hand plane. Get a small jack plane, four to six inches long, for rounding off sharp edges and smoothing edges of lumber. If you can find one, get a joiner plane. These are up to two feet long and are for planning the faces of lumber for, say, a tabletop. Number eight, axe and hatchet. For felling trees and making kindling. Again, keep them sharp. Clamps and vices. These are in many different kinds, bar, C-clamp, pressure, and tabletop. Collect as many as possible as they have a multitude of uses. Number 10, squares. 
Get a framing square that has an etched table for cutting common and hip rafters. Small squares to carry in your tool belt. They allow you to mark a line square 90 degrees to an edge. What about levels? Try to get a four foot, a two foot, and a pocket level. They have small glass vials embedded in them with a trapped air bubble. When you lay the level on the project and the bubble is between the two lines on the vial, you know it's level. Number 12, a plumb bob. This is a brass or steel cone shaped tool, think of a top, with a string attached that when you need to mark a spot directly beneath the roof for a column. Number 13, crowbar. They come in many sizes and lengths. Two of the handiest are a wonder bar. It is made of flat iron, two inches wide, and has V-notches cut on both ends to help remove nails. Handy for reclaiming dimensional lumber. The other is made of octagonal solid steel bar with a hook on the end. They can also be used to remove stubborn nails and their shape makes them great for leveraging and lifting a great weight. Number 14, hammers. Again, many sizes. Usually sold by weight of the head. I recommend a 20 ounce framing hammer, a smaller cabinet hammer, and a tack hammer for small nails. Obviously, these are just a few of the many different tools that you can collect. Pack members will no doubt add some suggestions and use. Collecting double gives you barter materials and replaces broken ones. The great thing about tools is that you can pick up many of the hand tools for next to nothing at flea markets and garage sales. Learn to sharpen and maintain your tools and they will provide many years of service. I have tools my great-grandfather used. Having skill in producing and maintaining your bug out location or just your current home is a skill that will make you a valuable team member in troubled times. So you can sell your skill for other necessities as well. As with any craft, making or maintaining items is a rewarding and satisfying pastime that might just save your bacon or buy you some in the future. Well, that's the end of the article. And I hope that after listening to it, you start to agree that having tools is one of those things that would be very valuable in, you know, well, they're very valuable now because if you can just do something, if there's something around the home that you don't have to call someone to do and you can just do it yourself, I mean, you can save a lot of money, right? But then in an SHTF scenario where you are called to help build or do something or fix or repair or whatever, they would more than pay for themselves in at that time, right? So I think it's one of those things. And you can really start looking for great deals now. You know, there's always, you know, going to Home Depot, sometimes they have sales and stuff like that. But, you know, he mentioned here in the article going to garage sales. I always, if I ever stop at a garage sale, and I don't do it too often because it just seems like it's never convenient for me. But uh, I, but I tell you, I did get a good deal on, <laughs> I did get a good deal on some tools not too long ago. But that's one thing that I do is if I stop at a garage sale, I will stop and I would look for, I'll look for tools and I will look for a good deal, a good deal on tools. Um, I haven't been to a flea market in a while, but if I was to go, I would be looking for tools. That's just one thing in my head that I would be looking for, right? Or even sometimes at a pawn shop, uh, you could go to a pawn shop and sometimes they just have tools there. You know, there's one pawn shop that uh, a guy that I used to know worked at and I visited him and they had uh, on, on different things, tools, they had prices like at a certain time, the price would be this, right? 
And so you could just, and one of these, uh, there was a toolbox that had a lot of hand tools in there and it just didn't look like anybody was ever going to buy it. And so, you know, I asked him about that. He's like, yeah, if that stays there for like three months, that's going to be the price. And it was like a really low price, you know? And uh, I was like, man, you got to let me know. And I don't know what happened. We, we forgot or whatever. I forgot to ask him. And so I don't know, the tools might still be there, but that would be another place where you could go and you can get some really cheap tools right so anyway uh i think this is one of those things that you take a little bit of time to invest in and you're able to put away and you start building your tools if you don't have you know a toolbox tool sets you know this is one of those things start building you know start doing it slowly you're not going to go and you're not going to have you know uh, a two thousand dollar set of tools you know all at one time start building it as you see it as you need it and, uh, you know, you'll always find some really cool things out there if you just keep your eyes open and uh, when you find yourself in those places where you can find deals. So, guys, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. Like always, again, it's uh, coming to us from mdcreekmore.com. Hand tools versus power tools, which are best for preppers? Well, everyone, that is it for episode 529. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.